We have all heard the saying that the whole is more or greater than the sum of its parts. And well, the truth is, the simplicity of this idea might actually contain the essence for creating meaningful collaboration for the SDGs. Of course, we're talking about multi-stakeholder partnerships, which are meant to promote a more holistic approach to development and better governance. It's increasingly clear that working in silos simply won't address the complexities of sustainable development. There are multiple benefits when it comes to such partnerships, but first we need to discuss the challenges if we want to make them work. We are now in the decade of action, and here we'll talk with companies and experts from all over the world about how they're taking actions on the STDs. To learn from each other about the challenges, opportunities, and solutions on the road towards 2030. From the GRI, this is The Rising Tide. Episode on STD 17, Partnerships for the Goals. It might seem obvious, but how did we come to the conclusion that partnerships are the best means for achieving the goals? So we, we have to go back a little long way for this because the arc uh, for the partnership stuff was a slightly longer one because partnership didn't come into Johannesburg. And it actually came because of a number of workshops that Stakeholder Forum had done for members of the Bureau and for the member states, where we looked at if stakeholders are going to be engaged in helping governments make better informed policy, then they have a responsibility either singularly or working with other stakeholders to help implement those global agreements. So that's the theory of stakeholder democracy. It's that we have a role in helping make better policy, but if we're going to do that, we have a responsibility to help implement that policy afterwards. Meet Felix Stutz. He played a key role in the development of new modes of stakeholder engagement at the United Nations, as he's credited for his proposal to introduce the stakeholder dialogues at the UN General Assembly back in 1996. Felix knows that each stakeholder has the power to address the challenges reflected by the SDGs, but collectively, we have more power. From 97 through to 2002 at the Commission on Sustainable Development, uh, which was the predecessor to the high-level political forum, uh, member states gave away two full days for dialogue with stakeholders. And I think that helped to elevate the idea that stakeholders might have some really interesting issues. And so there was never more than four stakeholders per three-hour session, and 50% of the time were the government's and their comments and 50% with the stakeholders. But it did create uh, an interesting um, understanding by member states that actually having expert stakeholders bring their views doesn't mean that they have to take notice of them, but if they don't get to hear them properly, then they won't. And perhaps the best example of stakeholder success is, of course, around the SDGs themselves uh, in the engagement process. Although goodwill and listening are needed for successful partnerships, other things such as resources and accountability are fundamental too. For instance, it was widely discussed in 2015 that three to five trillion dollars were needed to be allocated each year up until 2030 to achieve the SDGs. But the thing with that is that you're not going to achieve that through um, public money. You're going to achieve it through realigning the market. And that's what you've seen 
in a sense, with a lot of the work that's gone on with Mark Carney's uh, Glasgow Finance Initiative, uh, where you're seeing that there's a recognition that if you can get the private sector investment community, the insurance community, the pension community to come in and actually to set their own uh, goals where they're going to move money from bads to goods, then that will be the big changes because then the investment moves to a uh, to, uh, to supporting good production or good um, energy as opposed to bad energy. So I think that's one of the big things that's happened since the SDGs. And, and if you look and see that um, um, you've now got, I think, uh, within UNEP, uh, FI, a banking equivalent as well. So it's covering many of those particular things. You have three credit rating agencies, which account for, I think, 96% of credit rating in the world. If you could make them uh, change their rules so that they included sustainability in their credit rating of companies and countries and councils, then that would have a huge impact because uh, it affects their ability to borrow money uh, at a good rate. Uh, so I think that's important. If you were to make uh, it a requirement for companies listed on the stock exchanges to have to produce their environment, social and governance reports to be listed, which a number of stock exchanges, Brazil does it, um, South Africa does it, I think the EU countries are in the process of doing it, then that reorganizes the market to do the good things. And I think that's the recognition more, most recently is that that's where we have to hope that we can really make the big, big changes. Finding and enabling partners to contribute to the necessary mix of resources is something we still have to work on. And as Felix stated, there are ways of doing so. But the importance of taking a strategic approach to developing design parameters for successful partnerships goes beyond just that. I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the partnerships, but we need to have um, accountability and we haven't had that and I did do a paper before uh, I think in 2014 for the UN talking about putting the partnerships under each of the goals and actually having every year a partnership forum with if it's health WHO uh, if it's education with UNESCO um, and I think that the now what I'd look to is things like benchmarking if you can't do it through the formal system then I think we need an outside system that can start to benchmark whether these uh, partnerships are actually delivering on what they're saying. Because a lot of people's time and a lot of money goes in, and then it's not so clear to me that uh, they're delivering on what they say they're doing. In theory, they should already be accountable because in many cases, um, they have to make a report to their funders uh, for what they're doing. and so. The UN should have come out with and say, if you want to register this partnership, this is the information we need each year. If you will not do that, then we will delist de de you. And they are delisting partnerships now uh, because they've got a, a traffic light system. They actually don't have a mandate to use that, but they've sneaked it in um, and they're using it. And I'm a huge supporter of it. But by not at the beginning setting up a system which required how many people have got water because of your partnership? How many people have got energy because of your partnership? How many people have come out of poverty because of your partnership? I mean, and I know that some of them don't deal with it. Some deal with data, some deal with uh, capacity building. Those need to be looked at in a different way, but I'm sure you can 
build a system that asks questions that enables you to, to be able to get proper data. We have no data. Uh, the other thing I was suggesting is that if you had this situation where like they are doing now with the Oceans Conference and you're having a partnership thing around it, there should be an attempt to pull those together into a bigger meta partnership so that they can support each other. Because some partnerships fail because of lack of leadership, some fail because of lack of money or capacity. Some of those can be dressed if they were working together or helping each other. As Felix said before, he's a big supporter of partnerships, which doesn't mean that there aren't any critics of this model. On the contrary, putting all the challenges on the table is the only way to overcome them. So if we are to summarize his stance on this specific goal, it would focus on the need for a more participatory partnering system, which requires a strategic approach to developing design parameters for partnerships. The resources are out there, and so are the ideas, people, capital, technologies, and institutions. The question is, how do we connect the Dutch and engage in new and transformational ways? The success of the SDGs hinges on the ability to engage the private sector and unleash its innovative powers. The good news is that there are many examples of successful partnerships coming from that sector. And for getting a deeper glance on how businesses are contributing to this SDG, you're going to hear from Charlotte Kirkby, Vice President of Strategic Relations at Salesforce.org responsible for building formal strategic partnerships, international collaboration and strong relations. Well, you mentioned connecting the dots. Salesforce enables others to connect dots, to connect with their customers, to connect with their data, to connect with audiences that they've never even dreamed of in whole new ways. It harnesses the power of technology and it makes it easy for every single user, regardless of size of organization, regardless of age of organization or the resources within the organization, it makes it easy for every single user to interpret and analyze the data that enables them to do their business. So that's sort of what we do from a product perspective and a technology perspective. We build the platforms that power connections But who we are from a cultural perspective also informs all of that. And I think for the conversation that we're going to have today, that's the more, the more exciting bit. Who are we as a, as a values-based company? That value-driven model was founded on three basic principles, one of which is philanthropy-based. This in turn has let them demonstrate that businesses can have a positive impact and contributions to communities and society. And one of the key ways that we do that is through volunteering. And that can be, you know, from working with local schools, working with local nonprofits, but also, you know, what we've one thing that we found in line with our granting programs is that so many of our employees, they want to give back through education. They want to give back through using their shared knowledge and through partnering with local organizations, with the local schools, and with local education institutions where we can share the skills and the knowledge that we have as Salesforce and help create next generations of talent. We also do a lot of work with our customer base. So every single nonprofit and higher education institution is eligible for a 10 license donation. That means that every single organization can access Salesforce technology. Um, and when you're talking about nonprofits who every cent counts, is critical. And 
these are organizations that are doing the most important job in the world, but they are not huge organizations in the norm. And so one of the other key areas where our employees really get involved and fully partner with that nonprofit community is in pro bono work. And so as well as giving the license donation, we have a specific program that's set up that enables a nonprofit per project that they're working on to access pro bono hours. We'll help them scope out their technology requirements, their technology needs. We'll help them with the implementation. We'll help them with the design thinking of how to make this a success. But it's not just from the technology side. Also, we understand that some of, you know, the best resources that we have as an organization is the knowledge that we have. We also know that, you know, talent and young people today, they want to work in an organization where they can do good, where they can get involved and not just use their skills for corporate so corporate value, but also for social value. And it's this concept of social entrepreneurism. And so we also have a huge amount of employee base that will do marketing pro bono work. They might do legal pro bono work for nonprofits. It's not just using the technology skills, but it's enabling every single employee to be able to use their skills and their knowledge to help improve the state of the world. What Charlotte is describing are some of the partnerships that Salesforce has developed from the value-driven model. In theory, when we think of partnerships, we tend to consider one single model only. But in practice, there are many different forms that they can take. Once upon a time, partnership, especially in the, you know, when you when you thought about it from the private sector to the to civil society was literally a funding partnership. Thank you very much. Um, we would like funding to do X, Y and Z. And that was pretty much the definition of a public private sector partnership. Things have changed incredibly, especially, you know, accelerated by the successes that we saw during COVID around technology and partnerships. And this true understanding that when you come at something together as one, then what you can achieve is always going to be so, so much more than if you come at it from silos. What that means is that for me, and this is the the root of a successful partnership, you start at the beginning, you innovate together, you desire, well, let's actually, before that, what is the challenge? Let's discuss the challenge together. Let's innovate together. Let's agree together. And then let's work to implement and create change together. So the partnership comes from every step of the activity. And who are those partners? Well, they are the partners that need to come together with the resources, the knowledge and the experience to answer that very first question. So you may add partners along the way. um, And very often the best partnerships are completely evolving, but they start off with the people that have this common mindset. This is an issue we need to solve and we can only solve it together. Strengthening the private sector and civil society relationship should look a little bit more like this. It should be sitting at the table and saying, "Okay, we have these resources, we have these experts. How do we bring them together and which challenges should they be bearing together? 
And so the one thing that I would say really does need to get better is the two sides listening to each other and talking to each other and agreeing what the challenges that we should tackle together are. You put those two experts together, then nothing, nothing can step in our way apart from ourselves. As Charlotte says, creating effective partnerships requires a common mindset to address the challenges while articulating clear objectives so that ideas can be turned into action. At the end of the day, we're talking about the 2030 Agenda, which recognizes the interconnectedness of prosperous business, a thriving society and a healthy environment, or as Charlotte puts it, We are talking about achieving a roadmap that was laid out to improve the world for all, to you know, reduce poverty, to drive equality, and to build a more sustainable planet for all. Well, the key word there is for all. And so if we all can't come together in partnership, we're not going to achieve the SDG roadmap. And by the way, the next set of goals that come into play after 2030. We have to do this all together in partnership, which means us you know, sitting down, public sector, private sector, civil society, education institutions, governments, we have to work together in partnership. The Rising Tide podcast is co-produced by the GRI and Naranha Media. We want to thank Felix Stutz and Charlotte Kirkby for sharing their time and expertise. We also want to thank the Swedish government for making this podcast series possible. We greatly appreciate their long-standing support for sustainable development work, catalyzing actions towards the SDGs. Thank you for listening.